Welcome to the Buyers Agent Institute podcast, the show that will take you from your nine to five to living a life on your terms. We hear from the experts themselves, sharing how they created their success and give you actionable steps to help you create a lifestyle by design. Becoming a buyer's agent requires passion, dedication, and great mentorship. This podcast will share with you all three so that you can turn buying property into a career. I think it's just seeing people understand the value that you bring. Because when you communicate it at the start, you know, it's all like a yes, yes, I see it. And it's intangible at that stage. Mm. But when you're a couple of weeks in and you start getting feedback from clients saying, you know, off the back of them coming to you um, and saying, look, I really appreciate what you're doing. It really starts to give context to, to what you do and why you're doing it. Welcome to the Buyers Agent Institute show. The purpose of the show is to bring awareness to buyers agents, to bring awareness around the career opportunities that the buyers agent sector is providing to people, to bring awareness around the value that buyers agents are providing to people who need help buying property. Our goal with the show is to really strip back and dive into the remarkable journeys and stories of buyers agents who are paving the way forward in one of the fastest growing career sectors in Australia right now. Our guest today is Marcus Feezy. He was born in New Zealand, he then moved to Australia, specifically the Gold Coast, where he was an NRL accredited player agent. He was basically representing and managing clients, e.g. NRL players, and liaising with the clubs. He then moved into finance, specifically residential finance, where he was working with a non-bank and distributing loan products to mortgage brokers. And during this time working with a lot of brokers, he got a lot of exposure to buyers, e.g. buyers who were struggling to buy property. A lot of the mortgage brokers weren't meeting settlement. A lot of the approvals were obviously expiring. So he saw this niche to represent buyers to make sure buyers could buy the right property at the right price. He is now a buyer's agent. He is the founder of Purple Avenue. Today, I'd like to introduce Marcus. Welcome, Marcus. Ben, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Mate, love it. And I guess I wanted to really dive straight in because you've got a really interesting background. You studied in New Zealand. You then decided, I don't know why or where, just to move to the Goldie. Yeah, so I grew up in New Zealand, a really small town over there called Levin, which not many people will probably recognize. Uh, I studied at university in Wellington and pretty much about a month after I concluded my final exams, I moved over to the Gold Coast. So a bit of a conventional path followed by a not very conventional one. The GC and why the GC? Well, the reason I moved there initially, as you mentioned in the intro, was to set up a, a player management uh, business. Okay, so I was an NRL accredited player agent. The reason for the Gold Coast, I knew of quite a few people there involved in, in rugby league. Um, I always had a, a real interest in the game as a fan. And the real drivers for me, I think, is I, I always enjoyed the consultancy and representation piece. You know, I saw in the player management industry that it was quite transactional. And I saw an opportunity to really, really be a consultant for these boys outside of just football, all right? So it was about looking after their holistic needs, uh, making sure they had a bit of guidance outside of, you know, just, just the game they were playing on the weekends. That's challenging, I see, with players um, in the sporting world 
all across like the world. Like for example, I know Mark Cuban just rescued someone recently, and he's um, in Dallas. Who used to play for the Dallas Mavericks, who was a you know multi-million-dollar basketball player, and then ended up on the streets, literally. And then Mark Cuban saw him holding a sign, and then rescued him, and he's in rehab now. And where I'm going with that is that a lot of players can't manage their money. Um, they get famous, ego gets to them, they can't spend their money. I mean, did you feel like with the work that you were doing, that you were like helping these guys obviously stay above board and just you know, like level-headed? Absolutely. I really think, Ben, one of the, the, the biggest deficiencies in the schooling system is that there isn't anything about financial literacy, all right? There's nothing there to prepare these boys or anyone, for, for that matter, um, for, I suppose, the real world after they leave, all right? So to be able to, to bridge that in some capacity, especially when these guys, a lot of them go uh, into their football careers and earn a lot of money very early, okay? And what they do with that money, how they respect that money uh, can really impact, I suppose, their their state of life mm. and obviously being able to hopefully be a positive influence and contribute to them making good decisions was really important to me. Yeah, and, and I guess you would have learned a lot, like you're working with like top athletes. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I. Yeah, I look back and I think of some of these guys that I saw play as 14, 15 year olds now playing State of Origin. Um, and some of them, you know, you would have seen it at that age, some of it you wouldn't have quite have picked. But working with people who are considered within their age group and within their, you know, respective groups um, as the top tier in terms of what they do, it's really remarkable to get an insight as to how they live their life because a lot of the time I think. The way they're perceived is a lot different to how they actually are. Yeah, interesting. And I, I guess I guess the the spotlight's always quite deceiving, right? How they portray people. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, end of the day, these guys are, are people before players, and yeah. you know narratives and everything else in the media can obviously, um, you know, can formulate I suppose a public opinion of, of certain people and everything else. But yeah, it, it's important to understand I think uh, that they are people before they're players. So you moved into Resi Finance while you. Um, working with that NRL gig. And then you obviously were working with a lot of brokers. Correct. Interesting bunch of people. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 good mate. So look, I, I moved into uh, working for a non-bank and I was working there for four or five years uh, through broker distribution. So essentially we had loan products that were distributed via the broker network exclusively. Yeah. Um, so I would have worked with a couple of thousand mortgage brokers over my time there. Uh, and that really gave me the, the insights and I suppose the education about where there was potential opportunities and gaps and deficiencies and what buyers were, were doing exposed to and mainly just their education piece and their decision making. What a great entry point to then transition to become a buyer's agent because when I started my former company Cohen Handler, like brokers was the first like B2B group that I went to because I, I, I mean for me, I mean it'd be good to get your perspective. I mean I I couldn't understand that a mortgage broker would s sign up a customer pre-approval, then that they leave the, it up to the customer to then go and find the property. And then it's only when the customer buys the property and it settles that the broker then gets paid, which I always thought was really clunky because you're relying on someone else. And so I always thought the buyer's agent service fitted in so well with a mortgage broker because the buyer's agent takes control of that customer and manages that process. And I think that's why there's so 
there's, there's, there, there are so many gaps with mortgage brokers in terms of uh, approvals going through to settlements. What, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, look, you've pretty much summed it up. I think that it's really important to note that finding the property is one part of it, but a lot of the time I'd see situations where clients would find uh, particular properties mm. and then the bank's uh, lending requirements, lending policies or whatever it may be would naturally allow their pre-approval to be applicable to that particular purchase. Yes. So naturally someone like a buyer's agent uh, to be able to you know, bridge that gap before they've gone in and, and signed a contract and everything else and assuming off the back of a broker who's not a, a property professional and, and mm. so they shouldn't be, um, that the property's fine. You know, there's always the, the opportunity there, I think, to, to make that a significantly better experience. You, you've got to consider, and I, I, I always made such an effort to understand what, what the drivers were in a broker's business. Mm. What are their pain points? What does success look like for them? Because that's different with every broker business. And you've got to keep in mind that, I mean, these brokers are facilitating a lot of the time the biggest transaction of a mm. person's life, buying a property. Yeah. If that's a bad experience, they're necessarily not going to want to buy another one. So there's a lot of weight on that single transaction. And yeah, I got, I got a really good insight as to how that looks. What were some of the pain points that you, that you saw in like the broker model or, for, or whatever part of the process? Like what are the key ones that you noticed? So uh, I think for brokers, a lot of the time, I really learned the value of setting realistic expectations. Mm. Um, a good quote that, you know, I like to regurge every now and then is a quick no is a good no. Mm. Because, and I think that's applicable to any business, really, if the answer is inevitably going to be no, and say, for example, if a broker was to come to me with a particular type of loan scenario and I knew we couldn't accommodate it, I always took the approach that if I just hard and fast decline it at this point and say, we can't do it, it's better than going against the probability and trying to work through, move heaven and earth to make something happen that's likely not going to happen anyway. Yeah. You're dragging the broker through, but you've got to remember at the end of the day, there's a client on the other end of this transaction and they're the one who's going to be you know, analysing the service. You damage that service for the broker, then that reflects on how you've served them. Yeah, I love it. And so when did you first come across buyer's agents? To be honest with you, uh, when I initially was working in the finance industry, I didn't see a whole lot of it. There, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of it up in Queensland. Um, you know, uh, that's probably changing a little bit now. Um, and I was exposed to it every so often, but it wasn't until I moved down to Sydney, um, to Sydney's Northern Beaches for another finance role where I started to see this, this infant industry that appeared to have so much noise around it and so much excitement. And yeah, for myself, you know, I had that exposure via the broker channel to the purchase process and what it meant for the client and everything else. And I was always looking for a way to sort of be, be purposeful in that respect. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, naturally, understanding more about what a buyer's agent does, uh, I thought based on what I'd done in the management space with players and my exposure to you know, the mortgage broker space and the non-bank lending space, it was a natural fit, those two coming together. Yeah, and I mean, like the skills that, you're, that you would have developed working with players like that and just even simple stuff like communication and then obviously getting exposed to the finance world to the end, like seeing what's going on in the background when people are going through and buying a purchase, seeing the deficiencies in the mortgage broking space. Because for people watching this, like mortgage brokers are a key referral partner to buyers agents. Like a lot of buyers agents get their you know, clients from mortgage brokers. So you've now got this distribution of mortgage brokers. 
I'm sure you build up these incredible relationships with some brokers. So you're just primed to like, just take Purple Avenue to the next level. I hope so. <laughs> I think the, the key part is really being able to, to educate the, the broker channel on the value that a buyer's agency provides. And that value needs to be sustainable mm. and it needs to be well integrated because like any professional, uh, no mortgage broker is going to want to advise their client or suggest a potential alternative or sorry, additional service mm. for their client if they don't have full confidence in how to explain it and where the value is. So I think that's really, really important and I'm starting to see it, which makes me really excited. That's an interesting point you bring up because that's where it does go wrong a lot of the time where a mortgage broker or a referral partner, whoever they are, who's got a potential client, customer for you, a BA, buyer's agent, if they can't ask the right questions or they fail to ask the right questions to identify who's a potential or potentially a good style of client for a buyer's agent, then it can go wrong because they're referring over the wrong style of client that's never going to fit the, the service and then they might lose confidence in you because you're not converting it and signing it up so there's a massive education piece i i mean i experienced as well with just getting the broker on the same page as what constitutes and what does your client avatar look like and what style of pain points does that prospect have that could then constitute to be connected over to you right that's exactly it it's about making it as much of an efficient process as possible, mm. right? So for the, for the, I mean, no, no broker is expected to understand what a buyer's agent does That's from right. start to finish and every single mechanic on the way. Uh, it's about giving them something whereby with them putting in as little input as possible, mm. they can identify where these opportunities are, they know the right questions to ask, mm. they know how to see these opportunities, and most of all, they know how to communicate this to the buyer's agent mm. so that that communication piece is seamless and then that service handover is seamless as well. You've kicked off pretty quickly in terms of out of the gates. You're signing up clients, you're getting out there a lot. What are you noticing when you're getting in front of potential clients? Like, what are, what are their pain points? Are you starting to see as to why they're you know, considering or even engaging you as the service? Yeah, so I think at the moment, I mean, obviously, in a lot of suburbs, there's a real shortage of, of stock, mm. right? You've got really high demand, it was really short shortage of stock so you're seeing clients who just don't have the time to be able to really put in the due diligence and the time and everything that you'd need to mm. to be able to first of all properly understand a market which you know I think is it's a lot more than just going to open homes on the weekends and looking at realestate.com you know you need to understand what's driving that 100%. you're having conversations with these agents to strip back those layers mm. and really see you know what is the underlying fundamentals of that market so time's a big one. Um, I think as well, a lot of people have come out of COVID and that they just don't quite have the confidence in understanding the current state of the property market and where it really is. Mm. You know, like I think it's fair to say that property cycles have probably been either thrown out or skewed significantly off the back of the last kind of eight or nine months. Mm. So a lot of people are using data uh, from COVID to make purchase decisions and it's not accurate in the sense of how they're properly qualifying value on properties and stuff like that as well. It's a big one. And I think going back to like even talking about product knowledge, like I've, I've moved to the Northern Beaches, as you know, it's not my local area and just, it's just hard to keep up with what's going on. Like it's like a standard buyer who's not out there, fully out there inspecting all day, going through and really analyzing it properly. Like you need to have your finger on the pulse in this style of market. 
And I think that's why buyers need to be engaging buyers agents because it's just moving quick, right? It's moving very, very quick. Um, and I think the level of due diligence and research that you have to do yeah. now um, is a lot more than it probably used to be. Um, and that can be for anything from, you know, looking at uh, data on your price points, could be anything with qualifying value. Um, it can be looking at stock movements and, you know, trying to anticipate how that's mm-hmm. going to look. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's definitely a time at the moment where I think people are really starting to see the value in buyer's agents, you know, a lot more than probably 12 months ago. Mm. And real estate agents, what, what, have you got any feedback around like how they're, like your interactions with them or just how they perceive buyer's agents or is it too early to kind of? Look, it's, it's probably too early to say. I mean, I haven't had any, any negative yeah. feedback. I think at the end of the day, like with, with a real estate agent, they're, they're running the business, right? They've got objectives, they've got goals, they've got things they need to do. Mm. So if you can add value, even just in the sense of, you know, being able to provide whether it's feedback or whether it's just, just opening up a bit of dialogue and having a conversation with them, uh, I think, you know, at the bare minimum, that's still something that they're interested in engaging in. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's similar feedback across the board, really. I'm up on the northern beaches, like I said, and most agents are providing similar feedback around stock levels and stock anticipation, and I suppose vendor sentiment's pretty consistent as well. Yeah, and mortgage brokers going looping back there again. Um, you got, I'm assuming, very good contacts there. So I'm. Um, you must be just going through an education process at the moment with a lot of them, like setting some systems and processes around, you know, all the, all the lead generation that's going to flow to you and how you can help their business. I guess it's all about reciprocation. Like you want to add value to their business, they want to add value to you, right? That's exactly it. So the first thing about understanding at the moment, I think, is is what are their key priorities with broker businesses? Mm. Okay, what sort of business are they doing a lot of? What sort of business are they not doing a lot of? What sort of banks are they engaging at the moment? Are they getting a lot of investors? Are they getting a lot of owner-occupiers? Um, how has the reduction in the OCR impacted their business? Uh, what does this mean for existing clients? Because, for example, if, if they've got a, a massive client book and the OCR has reduced their back book by quite mm-hmm. a bit, naturally their priority is going to be to go to that and accommodate yeah. those clients for refis. And you need to be able to understand that. Uh, because they might not be out there at the moment with the capacity to be able to service a whole lot of new clients who are buying properties. Mm. So the, the key part at the moment with brokers is really understanding their business, what their priorities are, and I suppose what's what's driving their capacity in their time. I think a lot of them are busy, or even during COVID initially, the refinancing was keeping a lot of them, I wouldn't say afloat, because I know they've got a good um, annuity style of business model, but I think the refis have been pumping for a lot of them, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it's natural, mate. Credit's cheap. Um, lowest interest rates in history, mm. genuine fact. So you've got to expect that that's going to be the driver for a lot of them. Um, and so they should. You know, end of the day, it's a mortgage broker's responsibility. That's why they get paid trail, is to continue to review people's loans and, and provide that service beyond settlement. So I think that's something, you know, especially with the OCR dropping yesterday as well, I think we'll see that continue as well. Let's move on to Purple Purple Lab, Purple Avenue. What's obviously it's startup, right? Like I'm, I'm even still, I'd say, in a startup of my business. But I guess, what, what's what's the goals for for uh, 2021? Like, is it is it just to like really hone in on 
you know, investors, owner rocks, a bit of both? Are you looking to expand the team? Like, do you mind sharing a bit around that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the primary focus for my business, and I, I say this at this point, and this could change, um, but I want to focus on the owner-occupied piece. Mm. I learned that through dealing with mortgage brokers and getting exposure to, I suppose, their involvement with the purchase process, the emotional investment that a client puts in is obviously massive, right? It's huge. Mm. Being able to assist them to navigate when they're so emotionally invested is really something that I get a lot of value out of. Um, I see a lot of purpose in that. Geographically, um, look, Northern Beaches and North Shore is where I specialise, okay? And whether someone's buying an owner-occupied or investment property in those areas, I'd like to hope I'd be able to accommodate them. Um, I couldn't comment on whether looking at bringing anyone else on at this stage if to say how things go and off to a good start, but yeah. you never know. Uh, but yeah, look at, at this stage, just sort of taking it week by week, hitting micro goals and I suppose making sure that, you know, I'm getting my, my systems, routines, processes and everything in place to be consistent. Nice. And what are you loving specifically about the new BA business? I think it's just seeing people understand the value that you bring because when you communicate it at the start you know it's all like a yes yes i see it and it's intangible at that stage mm. but when you're a couple of weeks in and you start getting feedback from clients saying you know off the back of them coming to you um, and saying look i really appreciate what you're doing it really starts to give context to to what you're doing why you're doing it and look mate i'm a i'm a huge believer that like authenticity is the best and most sustainable point of difference you can have in a business. Mm. And seeing that come to fruition with how I've sort of structured my service proposition is something I really take a lot of pride in. And I'm excited to be able to see the, you know, the value and solutions I'm bringing people and seeing how much it eases what was otherwise for them you know, a stressful or difficult process. I love it. Authenticity, yeah, I, I agree. There's this venture capitalist that I, that I follow that was saying that one thing people can't copy you in, in business is your personality. They copy everything else, your business, they can rip your website off or your, a lot of your IP anyway, but not your personality. So I, I, I think that's awesome. So as we finish up, like where can, or where's the best place for um, people to find you? Yeah, so you can find uh, me at purpleavenue.com.au. Uh, we're on the socials, Instagram, Facebook. No Twitter as yet, but who knows? No TikTok as yet, but who knows? Um, yeah, otherwise, uh, Marcus at purpleavenue.com.au. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Ben. Good to chat and hear your story, man. Thanks for having me. Cheers. So as we wrap up, uh, you'll see Marcus's details on the, uh, on the screen. So Purple Avenue. If you are looking, obviously, for someone specifically for Owner Rock, you should definitely reach out to Marcus. It's not to say that you can't get service for um, investment purposes as well. So check out Marcus at Purple Av. See you next week. To find out more about how you can become a stellar buyer's agent yourself, head to www.buyersagentinstitute.com.au.